This is Seeds for Success, a show where we have a good yarn about ag life with producers who are having a go. On the show, you'll hear from farmers in New South Wales who are out there battling the elements, making tough calls and getting the job done. You'll get a laugh out of some of their stories and also pick up some know-how along the way. I'm your host, Narrily Brennan. Today, we're sitting down with Maria Thompson. Maria is an agricultural consultant based in Coonabarabran and just happens to also be the wife of Callan Thompson, our mixed farming officer and podcaster. As luck would have it, COVID restrictions had Callan looking within his own lockdown zone for the next Seeds for Success interview. And as you'll hear, Maria is a woman of many talents with an inspiring tale to tell. In this episode, Maria talks to us about the path that led her into creating her own agricultural consultancy business and how the opportunities she was offered during her own early career have been instrumental in setting her own professional purpose to build greater opportunities for young agricultural professionals within the industry. You'll also hear Maria explain how she has carefully balanced her professional goal to build a stronger future for agriculture and the red meat industry with her personal desire to create a life and a family that is well and truly embedded in rural and regional New South Wales. Central West Local Land Services Mixed Farming Officer Callan Thompson sat down with Maria for this chat in their home during our latest COVID lockdown. So today I'm doing a bit of a different podcast and interviewing someone I didn't think that I would be interviewing. We're in the middle of COVID restrictions and we're all stuck at home and I was asked by our podcast team who I was going to interview next and I said, well, I don't know, I can interview my wife or my kids. They're the only people I'm seeing at the moment. And a few people within the team said, well, we want to hear from your wife. So today I'm interviewing Maria Thompson, who, as I said, is my wife. So yeah, thanks Maria for jumping on board with this interview. No worries. Thanks for having me. So Maria, you're an agricultural consultant. You're also a farmer. We run a farm together, but today I'd really like to talk more about the consulting side of things. So can you tell me a bit about Agstar Projects? Sure. So Agstar Projects, I started it back in 2011. It is a project management consulting firm and it's based really wherever I am based. So we initially started the consulting company in Coonabarabran, hence the name Agstar Projects, founded in the astronomy capital of Australia. But we also moved up to Catherine for two and a half years throughout those 10 years. So Agstar Projects was based up there for that time, now back here in Coonabarabran. The company manages projects across the red meat, livestock, wool, live export, goat industry, pork industries. And the projects themselves vary from people development, event management, monitoring and evaluation. I do policy research and policy review for peak industry councils. And I also do some extension work as well. So the projects vary at any point in time as to what I have and what portfolios I'm working on. Prior to starting Agstar Projects, you worked in Canberra. Can you tell me a bit about that role? Yeah, no worries. So yeah, I worked for Sheep Meat Council, which is now Sheep Producers Australia. In that role, I was the manager of the animal health, welfare and biosecurity portfolio. So I represented Australian sheep meat producers, both at the local, national and international level. 
and worked in the policy space, obviously, in Canberra. So during that time, some of the key projects that I worked on included the development of the Australian Animal Welfare Standards and Guidelines. So I would go to those meetings along with a couple of sheep meat producers and we would really be there to represent the views of the Australian sheep meat producers and to ensure that both the policy and the standards that were developed were of benefit for the livestock but also practical and able to be implemented on farm. So you're down there for three, four years? Yeah, so I was almost with sheep producers for five years. But during that time, I worked from home up here in Coonabarabra for about 18 months. So I was well ahead of the working from home space, actually. I was going to say that you're working from home before working from home was really a thing. Have you got any tips for people working from home? This is new for most of us, but not so much for you. Well, I guess I'm a bit of a nerd. So I actually really love my job. So when it comes to having distractions at home, be it house cleaning or cooking, they're not really my idea of things that I like to do. I would much rather be punching out some work at the computer. So very much having a space for work and being able to have an identified spot where you sit down and focus on that work. And in the afternoons when you leave, being able to close the door and walk out. Although that said, over the 10 years since having my Agstar Projects business, we've also had two little boys as babies throughout that time. So there were a couple of years where my office was actually the kitchen table, the nursery, the lounge or wherever I could open my laptop. So I think when I reflect back on the time that I have worked from home, I think where I haven't had a designated office space to really sit down and focus has actually been the most challenging time during my career. So you worked in Canberra and then you moved back to Kuna partway through that and then started your own company. Why did you start your own business? I've always been passionate and I love rural and regional Australia. So the work that I was in was in Canberra was obviously really required me to be in Canberra to attend those national meetings. However, when I was working from home in Coonabarabra and I was just travelling down for those meetings as required. So wanting to have my career, I've got a Bachelor of Rural Science from UNE. I did my Master's in Agriculture and studied in Copenhagen. So obviously have a passion for agriculture, but a lot of those professional careers are actually city-based, which is not a place where I wanted to be. Canberra was great for the years that I was down there, but I never saw it as long-term. So really setting up my business and starting Agstar Projects from Coonabarabra really allowed me to have the career I wanted from home and also allowed me to have the flexibility to go on and have children, buy a farm and to live in rural, regional Australia. So that was probably the key imperative. Yeah, I guess through that time, as you said, you've you've had kids and I guess one of my big memories of you working is Henry, our oldest son, was a little bit earlier than expected and after he was born, I went and slept the night in a motel and came back the next morning and you were sitting on a Blackberry, I think, at that stage because it was a few years ago, sending work emails with a tiny little newborn baby in your lap. I guess working for yourself does give you some freedoms but also tie you up a bit as well. Yeah, that's right. Well, as you know, Henry surprised us. Our first was three and a half weeks early. So I had a range of projects happening at that time, including I was delivering wool clip forums for Australian wool innovation across Australia. So I think the week after I was meant to be out at Cobar, my grandma actually said to me, 
what are you doing traveling? You will have that baby at any time. But I also had other people saying, oh, it's your first, you'll go over a week. So I was actually still anticipating that I had another four and a half weeks to finish off my projects before I became a mother. So yeah, that's the reality of having your own business. You don't just have somebody there to pick up the pieces or to fall into place. It's all sort of sits on my shoulders. So when Henry arrived early and I had work commitments, regardless of just having a baby or not, I had to send those work emails and just organise what was going to happen with those projects that I hadn't quite finished. I think we were actually looking at some photos the other day of Henry on an aeroplane. There was a bit of travel even while he was fairly young with some of your projects. Yeah, that's right. Henry was not even one. I had a project for the Cattle Council of Australia and also Sheep Producers Australia where I was coordinating beef and sheep meat producer forums across Australia. That involved me having to travel to each state to run those forums and, yeah, was accompanied by you and baby Henry. We definitely got to see a lot of Australia in that project. It was good fun. A lot of ag professionals talk about becoming consultants and they may work in government or, or may work for another consultant or organisation. What advice would you have for someone looking to start their own business and go out on their own? Well, I've got 10 years of advice, but to sum that up, my key advice would be to find someone who is working in that space and have them as a mentor. I'm a big advocate no matter what area in your life that you want to improve. And I think we as human beings should always be wanting to improve and be wanting to learn more. And to do that, there are so many people out there who are really willing to share and encourage people into whatever field it may be and wanting to be an ear to listen to and to provide a sounding board and advice. So I guess my key tip would be to find someone in the field that you're looking at and to seek their mentorship. And so there's a number of organisations that would probably help facilitate that. And I guess Australian Pacific Extension Network's one of those type organisations. Would you suggest getting in contact with those sort of organisations or is there one in particular you've been involved in that's helped you along the way? Yeah, I guess there are a range of industry organisations available. So APEN that you mentioned would certainly be one and and I've been through the mentoring program there, which was really helpful. There's also the Australian Institute of Agriculture. I'm actually a member of this Australasian Evaluation Society. If you don't have those networks within your own networks, there are certainly structured organisations and within those mentoring programs that can assist. So I guess one of the big first steps if you're going out on your own, I assume, is really just getting the work. How did you go about getting those first one or two projects? Yeah, that's a really good point. I really believe in networks and it's the people you meet along the way, no matter what role you're in. We have such a small agricultural industry. Everybody knows everybody and reputation is absolutely key. No matter what role you're in, whether you're just out of university or whether you're at the CEO level, industry talks and they talk fast and they listen to what each other say. So upholding a reputation, absolutely doing the best that you can on every job or every project that you're involved in is fundamental. So over the years, I know you've worked in policy quite a bit, working with sheep producers. You're working with a lot of producers who are involved in those groups and involved in setting that policy. Why do you think it's important that producers get involved in those industry organisations? 
both prior to starting Agstar Projects and throughout my Agstar Projects journey, I have worked very closely with peak industry councils, including sheep producers, Cattle Council of Australia, the Goat Industry Council, to some extent National Farmers Federation. And it is absolutely essential that peak industry councils and key industry organisations have good grassroot producer representation from right across Australia. Australia is such a vast country with beef producers in the Northern Territory and in the Kimberley and beef producers down in Tasmania. So quite often the national policies that are set really must be set for the benefit of the Australian beef industry, but being mindful of the implementation of those policies across the different states and the different production areas. In regards to different government submissions that are open on whatever topic it may be, when there is an opportunity for beef and sheep and goat producers to have a say, I would strongly encourage them to actually take the time, get across the issue and have a say. And whether that be through a written submission or whether that be through your state farming organisation or a peak industry council, the national policy and what's being set really comes down to the input that producers provide those processes. So if a a producer was interested in getting involved in some of the decision-making of their industry, what's the best way for them to go about it? Well, that actually can be quite a complex question because it really depends what industry you're involved in. So my experience is with the red meat industry primarily, and there are peak industry councils where you can be a direct member of, or you can go through the state farming organisations. I guess there are different initiatives and different things that open up that call for policy council members or call for producer involvement. So I guess it's just getting a foot in the door there. I actually also coordinate as one of my projects, the Cattle Council Rising Champions Initiative, which is a young beef industry leadership program. And that program is very much encouraging young beef producers or people involved in the beef industry to put their hand up and to get involved in the leadership journey so that we can upskill them and eventually have them involved in policy making at the national level. So that project's just one of the projects that you work in that involves capacity building for young people within our industry. The other one's the Intercollege Meat Judging Competition. Can you give me a bit of a rundown on what that's all about? Yeah, no worries. So at the start, I did say that I manage a whole range of projects from time to time, but I guess my real passion and love lies in the people and the people projects that I work on. So people development programs that I work on are the Rising Champions Initiative, but I also am the national coordinator of the ICMJ program. So it is a program that aims to inspire and develop future professionals in the global red meat industry. Across that project, we run a couple of conferences each year where we really try to showcase the range of careers available in the red meat industry and to get students, young industry professionals involved and to really highlight to them the range of careers and also the opportunities that are available within our industry and also provide professional development opportunities and training along the way. So I think when you and I did it when we were at uni, it was a couple of days maybe. It was very focused just on the meat judging side of it, the competition side of it. But it's really shifted since then to be much more of a careers-orientated, industry-orientated event. How has it made that transition? 
Yes, yeah, so that's a really good point. So the Australian Intercollegiate Meat Judging Association, which we've now actually decided to drop those words and just call it ICMJ, because it's definitely more than just judging meat. The program has really transitioned from being that meat judging program to really showcasing what there is across the Australian red meat and livestock industry, from the careers to the technology, the innovations, the market access, the trade, the social license, the professional development. We hold careers expos. We just held a virtual careers expo online the other day and we had 38 companies sign up for students to be able to jump online and have 10-minute meetings with those companies. So it really has become the platform for companies who are looking for young, excited, enthusiastic students to really grab them from that program and get them involved in their grad program. So the Wagga program runs for five days. We have industry dinners. We've got industry sponsorship. It's really quite a program now and it's been such an exciting program to be involved in. But as I said before, it really does come down to the people and that ICMJ is run by a committee of 12 volunteers, young industry professionals that work right across the the industry. They're passionate about the program and about encouraging and showcasing our amazing industry. And that program alone really highlights the value of having such enthusiastic leaders at the top that really are passionate about inspiring and developing those young students and bringing them along on the journey. And you're up in Rocky as well. It's not just Wagga anymore. That's right. So we have the Wagga Conference, which is really focused on tertiary students. So we usually get about 10 Australian institutions. And pre-COVID, we would have Indonesia, Korea, Japan, the US and Pakistan along to the national conference. And then a couple of years ago, we started the Northern Conference, which is up in Rockhampton each April. And it is not just focused on tertiary students, we've opened that one up to young industry professionals. So anyone working in the red meat industry is able to come along to that conference. So I guess with the meat judging competition, with the rising champions from Cattle Council, you're seeing a lot of young industry professionals coming through and you're seeing those professionals over a period of time transition into successful members of our industry and and into industry leaders. What are some of the traits of those really successful kids? Yeah, that's a good point. This year, I'm going into my sixth year of coordinating the ICMJ program. And I'm also going to my third year of coordinating the Rising Champions program. I really am starting to see the impact of the program and those younger people that have gone through them. And it's quite rare actually to pick up a Queensland country life or the land without seeing somebody in there who's been through the ICMJ or the Rising Champions program. I think those key leaders and those real standout individuals, it really does come down to work ethic. They're there, they're keen, they're enthusiastic, they're wanting to be involved, they're asking sensible questions, they're thinking, they're networking, and they're looking for those opportunities and then just taking the bull by the horns and applying for the different programs. They are out there talking to the different industry sponsors that we have along or the the networking opportunities. They're talking to the ministers when we're in the Rising Champions program and we're up at Parliament House. They're asking questions and they're outgoing. But That's not to say that they're the extroverted loudmouths. It's a mixture of both. 
some of them are also the quiet ones that are really thinking about what they're saying and what they're asking as well. Yeah, I don't know if it's just me, but kids coming out of uni now seem to be so much clearer on where they're going and what they want to achieve than what I reckon we were when we came out. I did a rural science degree and came out thinking I wouldn't mind a job and an agronomy job came up and that's what I moved into. I always knew I wanted to work in pastures and cattle, but agronomy sort of seemed to be the thing. But kids now seem to be so much more focused, but also understand the importance of networking and the importance of relationships and getting involved. And I don't know if that's a social media thing or something they're doing differently in schools, but... It's the ICMJ program. Possibly. Possibly. (laughs) (laughs) Do you have any insight besides ICMJ? Why these kids are coming out and just hitting the ground running? Yeah, I actually think it's a cultural change. It's a generational difference. I think we're getting old, Callan. But you're right in that each year that I go along to these different forums and run them, the students there do seem to be more confident, more willing to step outside their comfort zone, more willing to put their hands up and ask those questions and seem to have a clearer path of where they're going. But with that, I also have observed that some of those younger ones want that high level job and they want it now. So I guess with that will also come the importance of hard work and ensuring that they work hard and make each step in the rung of their career and earn the trust and respect of those above them as well. So a lot of the work you do is based around that capacity building of students and we've named a couple of programs that you're involved in help build the capacity of young people in our industry. Is there other opportunities, other frameworks or projects that you've seen that you think it's worthwhile young people wanting to get in industry getting involved in? And I'm thinking of things like the Nuffield Scholarship. Yeah, there are a lot of opportunities out there. So yeah, the Nuffield Scholarship I think is is a key one. The Australian Rural Leadership Foundation, probably two standouts that come to mind. But even across the different industries. I know the grain industry has a, I guess, a comparative to the rising champions sort of have their young grain growers program. So I guess it depends which industry you're keen to get involved in and just looking and just something like LinkedIn is such a fantastic resource that if you're actually interested in a particular industry and a particular course or a particular area that you want to go down and find more information about. It's not hard to jump on something like LinkedIn and find someone. An area that I'm really keen to get involved in is international development and working in developing countries and in particular working with women. So I jumped on LinkedIn last year and I found a program run by UNE called the Geared Program. So it was Gender Equality in Agriculture Research and Development. And I just sent a personal message to the manager of that and said, I would love to know more about your program and potentially be involved. So sometimes it's about finding out what you want and then just making that connection and contacting someone. Very good. Well, thanks, Maria. And and thanks for giving up your time. I, I just sprung this on you after jumping off a Teams meeting. So I've given you no preparation at all for this. But yeah, it's gone really well. So thanks a heap. No worries. Thanks for the opportunity. And yeah, as I say, there are so many opportunities out there for young, mid and late career. I don't think there's any point in your life where you stop learning. Learning is forever. So no matter what point you're at, find something out there to to keep that mind stimulated and see what opportunities there are. Thanks, Maria. 
Thanks for listening. This podcast was brought to you by Central West Local Land Services. Local Land Services delivers advice and support to farmers, landholders and the community across New South Wales. To learn more, you can find us online by searching for Central West Local Land Services. If you'd like more information about the topics we discussed today, as well as links to relevant articles, fact sheets, events and other helpful resources, we've added those into the show notes for this episode. You can find them by tapping or swiping over the cover art in your podcast player now. Hey, and while you're there, please leave us a five-star review. It really helps other farmers find the show. I'm your host, Narrowly Brennan, and I'll chat to you next time.